My name is Christopher McKinnon, and you're listening to the Notes from Dad to Son podcast. A podcast from a dad who's still trying to figure it all out in time for his son being old enough to start asking the questions. Welcome to Notes from Dad to Son, episode 51. And I think I will be naming this episode something to do with cooperation. Because it seems to me that this is something that is probably worth talking about. So, just to recap a little bit, um, last episode I was in the throes of getting everything ready for a new kitchen being fitted. That has now taken place. And Fraser gave me a hand to empty cupboards and whatnot out of the, the old kitchen and move them to another area where they would be safe from any disturbance. The whole thing took about two days really for it to be fitted and installed. But there was... The, the final day was for snags and it was unfortunately the the sink that was posing a bit of an issue in that the plumber for whatever reason had used a strange combination of pipes and fixtures to um, drain water away from the sink through to the main drain pipe and had done this in such a way that water would leak from one of the joins, not to any severe degree, but it would be leaving, it would leave a puddle under the sink if it was left unchecked. And that whole process of getting that resolved and repaired took several days. What with um, my shift pattern and other demands that the plumber himself from uh, the company were having to deal with on their time as well. Anyway, it was um, an irritating and stressful few days whilst getting that resolved and I'm glad to say that that is finally dealt with. So. Moving on now to the subject of this episode, cooperation. I think this is worth talking about because there are many things going on in the world that people just don't necessarily see eye to eye on. But nonetheless, we all share the same space, we all live in the same planet and by hook or crook, we either have to find some way of getting along or at least having our differences in such a way as not to be too disruptive or destructive to each other's lives. And this is something that can be learned in a a formal manner or a, a really abstract way. Um, 
depending on how much attention you want to pay to that process and, and study. But today I dropped Fraser off to nursery and when he got to the yard whilst waiting outside for the, the doors to open and myself stood in a queue watching as he is playing with the other children that happened to be there at the time there was no spoken agreement or determination that they would be playing the game what's the time Mr Wolf but at some point in the process of them running around together several of the kids all ran towards one part of the, the yard and another to the opposite end and just everyone seemed to instinctively know what to do and shouted in unison towards that one other person what's the time Mr Wolf and Mr Wolf would turn round and say what time it was 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 12 o'clock whatever and the line of kids would take that many steps forward towards Mr Wolf who would then turn his back to face the wall again and they would repeat this until getting ever closer to Mr Wolf by which time he would say dinner time and run and chase all the kids with the hope of catching one of them and then they would then take on the role of Mr Wolf and this is just one of those timeless playground games that children at some point through going to nursery or school end up learning how to play and it passes the time whilst they're waiting for the nursery to open but there are several games that are or without any discernible rules that we can follow as observers and yet everyone participating in those games at the time can say for themselves that they are enjoying the experience and they may give a name to that game so that next time they meet they may then suggest to one another let's play this game again and depending on how well they have sort of acted out their own roles within that context of that first time playing that game and their own experiences of what to do align or misalign to greater or lesser degree will determine how well they enjoy the second time round of playing that game obviously the closer aligned everyone's perception of what is going on is to that of their peers or anyone else playing along the more likely it is that unspoken rules and ways of performing and acting out in that game 
become established as accepted and um, transmissible to other people who may turn up to play one day versus another day or to be able to be discussed should anyone ask how do we play this game and that's you know an early part of the the spirit of cooperation and you can establish how useful this is in practice because it's a an important part of human development and how you know people grow up and socialize with one another and integrate each other's own ideas into a broader concept and so this kind of thing can play out in group dynamics in the workplace it can play out in other social get-togethers or gatherings wherever there is a need for certain rules and modes of behavior to have been established and written down and transmitted to other people who would be in attendance these things do not come just from just from thin air they are not um, they are not things that have always existed people's experiences and interplay with one another within a given context where rules are vague at best or have not been determined or at least spoken about will nonetheless manifest through their interaction as people determine within that context what is acceptable and not and appreciable and not for the individuals within that group and for the group itself and then after that these things may be spoken about to other people outside of that group or written down in such a way so as to preserve those ways of being those ways of interacting and cooperating with one another so what is it about all that that is important it's it's basically what allows individuals to function within a group setting and human beings being social creatures who depend on one another for uh, not just company but for uh, their own survival to an extent require these things to preserve the the harmony of the group so that the group can then survive so 
this this creates order within the group which is useful if you want things to perform in similar ways as they have previously in as much as you have established what the variables are and whether they can be altered and to what degree the rules that are established within that group setting will become in place so as to allow for as little deviation so as to produce the the same result each time if that is the desired outcome and that has its uses and its places but it's where either someone does not understand those rules or does not agree with those rules or wishes to push against those rules that chaos and enters into the equation and I watched as Fraser was playing what's the time Mr Wolf with the rest of the kids and he was entertained doing so for some time and as I watched it occurred to me that within the entire group of those playing what's the time Mr Wolf the group seemed to fragment into two other groups both of them still playing the same game but they weren't playing together with the whole they were playing together individually so there seemed to be a, a kind of fragmentation of the group as they were playing and this was fine so long as the the individuals that had fragmented away from the whole of the group understood this to be the case it was where some kids then didn't know who they were to be playing with or who was to be the wolf or who was doing the chasing that it just kind of became a little more chaotic which was fun for some kids and for other kids a little bit less so particularly um, those who had initially appeared to have started out the game in the first place this morning and had understood it to be including a certain amount of participants one boy eventually grew tired of playing What's the Time Mr Wolf and Fraser noticed that he wasn't engaging with either of the two groups and so it attempted to encourage him back into playing but the boy wasn't for having this and kept repeatedly saying he didn't want to play and he left the, the yard to go stand out in the street where his mum was waiting in line and Fraser came and spoke to me and said he doesn't want to play and I said yeah it seems that he doesn't want to play at the moment and Fraser said maybe he's angry and I said to him well he might be angry but the important thing at the moment is if he doesn't want to play 
to leave him be and to continue playing with everyone else who is still playing. So that seemed to be acceptable and understood by Fraser and he went off and carried on playing with the the other two groups that were playing what's the time Mr Wolf and he flitted between them both enjoyed being chased by one wolf and chased by another wolf and then it wasn't at all apparent you know how long this game was going to continue in this um, this way but then there was a sound indicating that it was time for the kids to go into nursery and so gradually one by one they were welcomed into the building. So here in the current climate, shall we say, I suppose it's topical. Um, in Glasgow for the next two weeks the COP26 conference is being hosted in which world leaders and various other dignitaries and people of presumed influence and ability to articulate the impending doom that is to be um, upon us all should we not collectively as a world treat this seriously and change our ways So in the spirit of cooperation, the aim is to establish some form of consensus so that nations can agree on principles and set targets and agree to them and adhere to them as well and take action in line with those targets so as to do their part to the contributing towards the greater goal which is in reducing the global temperature which is rising to no more than one and a half degrees because they're saying that should it go beyond that then things will be much much worse in terms of um, how the how the world and the climate and change is affecting people's ability to live off the planet sustainably So as the common objective and you know the perception of the reality of why that needs to be achieved will vary from place to place and how this is communicated will also vary as well there's much to be said for having the international business language being English but you know some things are 
somewhat lost in translation which can make communication difficult and I suppose that alongside the technological difficulties of video conferencing has for some necessitated the presence of them at the conference in person rather than virtually on a screen. And so there is some criticism out there about the hypocrisy of flying over the course of many hundreds or thousands of miles to lecture people about um, frivolous use of flight and you know the fuels associated with that at a conference where the aim is to reduce these carbon emissions and take other actions whether you agree or not with the the need for personal attendance or even the message that is attempted to be conveyed um, by individuals attending the conference the conference is set up to attain the goal of a collective agreement in what to do next which means that those who are in attendance and arguing their case not only have to make the case for the perspective of the whole of the planet but also from their own area of expertise and individual experience as informed from where they live And it will be interesting to determine, you know, how successful this apparently last chance endeavour will be in reaching some form of consensus. And then whether or not governments and organizations and companies and whatnot um, commit themselves to achieving those targets pardon me I felt like I was going to cough but then didn't um, so I'm watching with a little bit of interest not a huge great deal of interest in that um, that topic to see what comes of it because at the same time there is the other global issue in the COVID virus and you know the varying government's responses to those um, issues associated with the virus and how they expect individuals to take a greater or lesser responsibility 
towards that other greater goal. Within their own communities and within their own countries and you know how that affects their neighbours in other countries through travel and transmission and whatnot. And so myself having had three doses of a vaccine uh, I'm in a position where through the uh, the government app the COVID status app I'm actually unable to prove that through using that app because the app uses um, it uses facial recognition software as part of its um, verification process so part of it requires me to scan my passport details with the photo and then another part of that requires it to scan an image of my face and it has been beset with problems from the get-go but nonetheless it is required a law now for anyone attending nightclubs or mass gatherings to be able to produce um, their COVID status, whether through that app or other means. Such as it is, the app should be the most convenient, but it's not working uh, for me on the two occasions that I've tried it. Firstly, on the day it was announced, and recently, whilst at work last week, I downloaded it and attempted it again. But um, even that approach to verification just it doesn't sit well with everyone it doesn't even particularly sit well with me but you know out of interest to see whether the the technology was working and could actually be used and be fit for purpose and so far experienced it not to be the case and you know whether that should remain a mandatory requirement um, remains to be seen but you know from my perspective where 95% of the country is vaccinated I don't see the need you know for um, for this kind of uh, sort of papers please approach to gatekeeping um, venues and places of entertainment and you know for the purposes of travel but I suppose time will tell in the meantime you know we have to wait and see and you know we hear of um, the varying ages of people who have received the vaccines you know they've recently started to um, encourage vaccinations for 12 to 15 year old kids and um, you know the 16 and plus age range has already been um, having that vaccine drive underway but a question was posed to me in that wherever to be 
suggested or required for Fraser to have the COVID vaccine, would I say yes to that? Which is a difficult choice to have to make, but in the in the way that I aim to look out for Fraser's health and well-being, you know, he has already been vaccinated against other diseases so far. He has already had the MMR vaccine, and that in itself was not without some controversy thanks to an idiot determining that it causes autism several several years ago and having been debunked multiple times in the years since then that piece of shit that that individual has flung has stuck for countless countless people anyway the next vaccine that Fraser is due to have is the flu vaccine which he'll be having this Wednesday and you know this was presented as an optional vaccine because it basically is an optional vaccine but you know given that the very young and the very elderly um, if they ever get flu it's like a big deal I decided that it would be a good thing for him to have that vaccine but you know that does not come without A degree of hesitation and conflict between myself and Caroline and you know we we kind of compromise on on several of our differences but um it's difficult really to it's difficult to talk even about this subject because she listens to this podcast in the in the first instance but you know I don't generally say anything here that I wouldn't otherwise say should she be in the room or in con- conversation but A concern that she has expressed at the moment is just the way things are with the world right now. It just really don't feel right. And, you know, I can't exactly disagree with that statement. Things are certainly far away from the way they were before the pandemic was. But stepping even outside of the pandemic the way the world is in terms of how we communicate with each other and um, the devices we use to communicate with each other we are of the last generation to remember what life was like 
prior to the internet and mobile phone use being widespread, never mind Facebook and apps and all that. But these things have become so ingrained in society as to become somewhat necessary. And I spoke before last year about wanting not to have a smartphone. Um, you know, not even just for those reasons, but just because I'm not that particularly a sociable person anyway, but like social media in itself is is not um it's not something great to have on your phone because it seems to be quite intrusive in monitoring what else you're using your phone for. But through the, the use of social media and um, you know the, the mainstream tech companies, you have a particular view of the world, a lens that is curated through those tech companies um, to perceive the world in and you know unless you are conducting your online affairs out with those particular mainstream uh, tech companies or you don't really go out of your way to look for um, conflicting or contrary views than what you're presented with then the temptation is to to take what you see through that lens at face value as though that is all that there is and it's been presented to me in an argument before that with the way things are you only get one narrative and that's a popular phrase you only get one narrative and that is what they want you to see that is what they want you to hear and it's all fear, fear, fear and I think to myself in my head well that line of thought in and of itself is a narrative in and of which is contrary to that narrative which has been spoken of or claimed to be the only one in existence. That expression of dissenting view is in, a, in and of itself a different point of view and so if there was only one narrative the possibility of the contrary or counter narrative as expressed to exist in the first place could never have been could never be regardless of any attempt 
of censorship by big tech or the mainstream media or the great firewall of China um, the nature of humanity is such that dissenting voices will always find a way and means to express themselves whether or not they are covered or reported on is another matter. The fact that certain stories are perhaps not covered in certain media outlets does not negate the existence of the events that would inspire such stories to be talked about and spoken of elsewhere anyway. And so it's not enough to to take your media from one source. It's not enough to take how you go to find differing points of view from one search engine. It's not enough to seek opposing views and alternatives through traditionally established uh, means. Wheresoever you find your comfort zone, you have to find a way to step outside of that but still be able to return so as not to arouse suspicion from the group that you are a part of. When it comes to seeking others who might share your views or other people um, who hold different views you have to go to those places where you haven't been or haven't thought to go you have to do things that you otherwise would think never to do there are many ways and means to express yourself and this podcast for me is um, you know the simple way of trying to gather gather some of my thoughts about what is happening at a particular moment in time so as to be transmissible to Fraser at some point later should they ever find the need or interest to listen, to find out what was going on. And it's at the mercy of several things. It's at the mercy of my equipment working for starters. It's at the mercy of me having the time to spend to, to talk out loud, 
and it's at the mercy of where I have chosen to host this podcast presently. And so it becomes important to to think of where else and how else to communicate your ideas. And some of them, you know, will need to be refined probably. I mean, there's, dare say there's plenty within his podcast that I feel strongly about and passionate about and other things that in episode to episode I may be thinking about and thinking aloud without having um, done any prior work to to try and convey those ideas in, in a cohesive manner rather than just having what my geography teacher used to call verbal diarrhea um, for the sake of getting things out there regardless of what's going on and our perceptions of what's going on and where we go to find out this information and what we do with it there's still a certain degree of cooperation that we have to um, have to undertake on a daily basis in order to still function as a society and down to you know as small a unit as a family versus you know as a nation as a species as you know people in a particular time in the earth's existence posed with strange challenges that seem not to have been experienced by others within recent memory. <laughs>